we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Hallelujah.
My victory is in Jesus' name. My victory. 
jump up here quick. So, how many of y'all believe that no matter what you face, our victory's in Jesus? How many believe that? Okay, so how about this, real quick. I don't know what in the world is maybe going on in your life right now. And may, maybe some of you, you're going through something, right? So how about this? I know we got the kids in here, but somehow, and I know it's, it's the whole, we got hand sanitizer, but somehow, someway, grab the person next to you and just say a prayer for them and just lift them up, okay? And just en encourage them with prayer before we go on with this next summer. We're going to declare victory in the name of Jesus for the person that's standing next to us, right? And you don't have to ask what's going on, but just pray. Just pray a general prayer that God is going to be involved and he's going to do what only he can do. Amen? Let's do that in Jesus' name. Make sure everybody's got somebody, all right? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. If you're watching on live stream this morning, grab somebody with you. We'll pray with you. We pray for those that are on live stream. And, and no matter what's happening in their life, in the name of Jesus, we declare victory. Because you, God, are who you are, and your name is above all names, and, and you are a provider, you are a protector, you're the one who heals, you're the one who, who answers all prayers. So we pray for answers to prayers that are being asked and things that are going on. There's nothing too hard, nothing too great for you, Jesus. So we pray for all those live, those watching on live stream this morning, that you meet them right where they are and bring victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
as impossible We have stopped to Friday's disappointment It's always empty too Since when as impossible We have stopped to This is the sound of time on veteran This is the praise make a caveman walk again Open the grave, I'm coming out I'm gonna live, gonna live again This is the sound of time on veteran Dismissed to Children's Church, go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
Amen. All right, we're going to continue on with things today. It's good to have you. I need to, I need to start like a three strikes or out rule. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's, uh, let's uh, continue on with our worship with our tithe and offering today. So if you have something to give, you may prepare that. If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand up and one of the ushers will, will help you out. It's going to be a beautiful day outside today, right? In the 60s? Yeah, it'd be a great day. So let, let me encourage you to do something. This is kind of an offshoot of my thought right here. Um, as much as you can, as much as you can, get, get out of what man makes and get out into what God made. Because as much as you can get out of what God's made, it always reminds you about how, how big he is and how great he is. Because he, he can make this stuff. He can do anything. You know what I mean? So if you always get cooped up in what man made, then you're limited to man's thoughts. But you get out in what God made, it's just a reminder of, of how great he is. So when we get this great weather, get outside a little bit. Anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. But anyhow, tithe and offering. Um, where's Sawyer at? I, I've been forgetting. Come here, Sawyer. For like three services now, Sawyer was supposed to pray over tithe and offering. I kept forgetting, so I apologize, man. Is it all good? But turn around. Sawyer wore his tuxedo today, so he's ready to pray over tithe and offering. So how old are you? Ten. Ten, so you're in fifth grade? Fourth grade? All right, so you ready to tackle this? Yep. Do, you, do you believe in giving? You believe God provides for us? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so he's going to pray over tithe and offering. So when he's done, if you have something to give, bring it on down. All right. Jesus, thank you for this day. And please bless this offering that you have helped us prepare. Mm -hmm. And thank you for giving, a, giving us the chance for mm -hmm. eternal life. Amen. And thank you for helping us get this money to prepare. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Good job. Bring it all down if you have it. And uh, we always like our kids to be involved, right? And when they're out here for worship with us, I understand it, 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 it's a little messy. That's okay, right? I'd rather have that than not, right? So much as our kids can be involved, that's what we want. So anyhow, having said that, today, uh, right after church, uh, fifth through twelfth grade. If you want to hang out for two or three hours, we're gonna we're gonna get together and head out and grab some lunch. Pastor Tim from uh, the Botkins campus is coming down to spend some time with us, and we're gonna go out and get something to eat. He's got something to share with the young people, and then when we get back, I forgot about this. When we get back, uh, we're gonna put together the Easter baskets for the nursing home. It'll just take just a few minutes. So what we'll do is. When we're about a half an hour from closing up, we'll send out texts to moms and dads about rides and things like that. But uh, they're going to get the word, get some food, then we're going to do a little uh, uh, outreach project together. So that's what today. So if you have questions about that, parents, see me afterwards. So fifth through 12th grade, that's for them. Um, tomorrow, so the other big announcement is starting tomorrow uh, is we begin to move our facilities. So we got this Wednesday and next Sunday here, and that's the end of the show for this building, so, uh, which, is, which is really cool. So <clears throat> instead of taking a bunch of time talking about it now, when service is over today, I'm going to share what's happening this week as far as um, move day tomorrow and then move day Thursday and some different things, that, uh, some 
some of y'all were at the church and put a long day in yesterday. I appreciate it. Oh, I just saw Aaron say, hey, man, I got I to gotta give Aaron a hug. This, this guy, my goodness, I just saw you here. Hey, Aaron, how you doing, man? Oh, you're okay. You're good, man. It's, you got to talk to this guy afterwards. He's, man, how long have I known you, Aaron? 20 years? 20 years. I just saw you. It's good to have you. Sorry. Anyhow, um, he grew up in the youth, though, over at the Bacchus Church. And he's got, he's, got a sto- he's got some stories to tell, don't you? You've you got some testimonies of what God has done. And this guy, he's been there, done that more than once, right? So it's good to see you. Anyhow, um, so anyways, when service is over, we'll talk about the, 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 the move and all that and what's happening. So Wednesday night here, next Sunday. And when you come here next Sunday, just preparing you, nothing will be here but chairs. So it'll be an acoustic, you know, no microphones deal because all that stuff's being moved Thursday in preparation for uh, our, our time in the building next week. And we'll talk more about that. Anyhow, so we'll talk after church. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and, and get that out. We're going to continue talking about the cross and certainly leading into uh, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We're going to start in Psalm 22. Then we're going to jump over to Matthew 27. So Psalm 22 um, is what we would consider one of the messianic psalms that we find in the Bible. And, and it's, a, it's prophetic of, in this particular case, the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and, if, you, and if, you read, if, you, if you read through the Old Testament and read through the Psalms, and, 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 you're, and you're thinking about it, man, you'll find so many foreshadows and prophetic utterances of Jesus and his ministry, and then the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's, it's all through there. And um, Psalm 22.1, let's just start there, and we'll kind of jump around a little bit. But Psalm 22.1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. In, In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them to you. They cried and they rescued in you. They trusted and we're not put to shame. So David starting this psalm is a psalm attributed to David of crying out to God, but not feeling that God's responding. But yet he goes to what he knows. You have always done this, right? And at, by the way, at times when you cry out to God and it doesn't feel like he's responding right now, always remember what God has done. Because what God has done, God will do, right? And, but but let's, let's jump to... Uh, let's see, in, in uh, this 22nd Psalms, let's go to, uh, oh, let's see, verse 12. Let's jump down to verse 12. And it's where it gets into to the uh, foreshadowed prophetic utterance about the, the coming crucifixion of Jesus hundreds of years before it happened. It says, many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening, like a ravening and, and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joy. My heart is like wax; it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a posture, and my my tongue sticks to the jaws. That and you lay me in in the dust of the earth. 
For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them for, they cast, uh, for my clothing. They cast lots. So you can see the crucifixion right there and all the different things that were fulfilled later when Jesus was crucified. And, and Psalm 22 is one of the places in Scripture we see kind of the, the, uh, the, the horrific side of the crucifixion. Yes. And, and, and it, the accounts of the Gospels don't explain things this far, but this is part of the Messianic prophecy. So we see the things that Jesus endured in the, in, in the events that led up to the cross and certainly the crucifixion on the cross. Now, having read Psalm 22, let's go to Matthew 27 and verse number 45. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 45. We're going to pick up right with Jesus on the cross. Matthew 27, 45 says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Laman, Sawathani, and that is Aramaic for, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and he's, he's recalling that 22nd Psalm that we just read and bringing the fulfillment of that Psalm and, 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 and the Messianic things that we see in the Old Testament, bringing it to this moment. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah, and one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come save him. Then verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Last week, we, we kind of uh, threw a quote out there um, that said this, being disguised under the Disfigurement of an ugly crucifixion, that we see that in Psalm 22. The Christ upon a cross is paradoxically the clearest revelation of who God is. That, that his sacrificial uh, atonement, or, or in our place, is one of the ways that we see God in, in what he wants us to see. And not only to see, but experience and come to know him in Revelation. See, Jesus on the cross, dying this, this willing sacrificial death, shows simply this. Who is God? Well, we know. Who is Jesus? And we know this, but let's say it again. He is love. And the whole reason that Jesus comes and, and, and through his ministry ends up on a cross and sacrificial death is that he is love. Yes. For God to love the world, right? God, God so loved, and this is what's so great for us. God so loved a messed up, lost, sinful world, right? And because he loved a messed up, lost and sinful world, he sent his son, Jesus, who comes to the earth so whoever would believe would not ultimately perish but have everlasting life. 
Jesus on the cross reveals the love of God in a way that we may have never seen the love of God or experienced the love of God. That he would willingly do what he did simply because he loves us. For while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you before you come to him. He loves you while you're still messed up. He loves you while you're still lost in your sin. So much that it shows another thing about who God is, that God will never abandon his creation. That he came to reclaim something he didn't mess up. He came to take responsibility for a creation that messed itself up, but yet God takes responsibility for it anyways and comes and dies on the cross. That's something amazing about him. So how much does God love you? I don't think we can fathom it. The, the depth and the width of God and who he is and the, and the depth and the width of God's love is greater than we can comprehend. We said this before. It's like, it's like trying to shove the ocean in a, in a Coke can. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get it all. It's, it's much bigger than you can get. But God is love. And along with that, then, in love, God is forgiveness. That the ultimate work of the cross is a final sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And thank goodness we don't have to do sacrificial rituals for the forgiveness of sins. Church would look a lot different. Trust me. We wouldn't want to do that, right? It was the final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. As John, as John declared of Jesus, look, the Lamb of God sacrificed, who takes away the sin of the world. So who is, who is Jesus on the cross? In love, Jesus is forgiveness. And, and how many know, again, it's just like his love, how many know that his forgiveness is beyond our understanding? Why in the world would he do it? Because <laughs> he's love. Why does he love us so much? Yes, man. I don't know, but he does. How many, how many of you rest in his forgiveness? Let me see. My goodness. We all do. I mean, time and time and time and time again. And then times we, we fall back into things, and he, he continues, brings us out of it again, right? But on the cross, it reveals that Jesus and God in love is forgiveness. And, and, and here, here's the, the paradoxical, in other words, Paradoxical is something that, that, that is but doesn't quite make sense. It's just kind of on the cross, Jesus is revealed as king and Messiah. And that just doesn't make a lot of sense because that's just not how king, kingdoms are set up, right? But, it, but Jesus with the crown of thorns hanging on a cross and, and physically dying and above him placed the plaque king of the Jews, in a mocking sort of way, but in all truth. Because he is the king of the Jews, and the reason God called the Jewish people forth was to bring forth the Messiah and set up a new kingdom. It is through that that the world is saved. King of the Jews, mockingly, but so true. On the cross, he is revealed as king and Messiah, the fulfillment of all things that the Jewish people were hoping for, but they missed it. But there he is crowned king. And there... His kingdom is set up. And there and again, things we've been talking about. You must pay attention to how the kingdom is set up. Therefore, it shows you how to live. 
if you are going to be a citizen of this kingdom, you have to pay attention to how the king was crowned and how the kingdom was set up. So Jesus inaugurates the kingdom in his ministry. He gets it going. But the linchpin of the entire thing is Christ upon the cross. His death and subsequent resurrection is the model for the kingdom of God and how we are to live in it. Remember, the, the, the cross is a symbol of Christianity. It says this, this is a symbol of what Jesus did for us, but it also shows how we are to follow him. Right? How Jesus and what Jesus did, but how we're to follow him. So it is the example of citizenship in the kingdom of God, which transcends anything else that we do. Amen? Christ upon the cross. Clearest revelation of who God is. So, in the verse that I think we read last week, you don't need to go there, let me just read it real quick. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of of God. For those who believe it is the power of God, for those who reject it, it is foolishness. If you believe it's the power of God for your salvation, if you reject it, it's ultimately foolishness. And, and the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, always brings you to a place of decision. You receive it, it is the power of your salvation. You reject it, it ultimately is foolishness. But if you reject it, you miss the great love of God. You miss in love his forgiveness. You miss the kingdom and how the kingdom works. You, you miss the whole thing. Do you realize if you're, if you're not living in the kingdom, it's hard to look at it and think it makes sense? You know that? If you're not in the kingdom, if you're not living as a citizen of his kingdom, it's hard to look from the outside and go, well, that, that just makes a whole lot of sense. We should live in such a way that people see the kingdom and where the Holy Spirit can work and convict it can help draw, but, but, but if they can be rejecting that. It just looks like foolishness. But it's how God does what he does. So here are some things that happen because of, of the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24. It talks about our sins and what Jesus did. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24. Let's see if we get, to get up on the screen real quick before we go on. There we go. It's coming. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Yep. There we go. Okay. So Jesus. Now watch this. The, the wording is, is very interesting here. Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree or the cross. He, he took the sins of humanity past and future, and bore them in his body. He took it on on the cross. 
That is the sacrifice that brings the forgiveness of sins in himself, fully man and fully God, dying on the cross. He took our sins in, in, in this, I don't know, it's a, to me it's sort of a, a mystery in a certain way. How did this happen? But he took it all right here and bore it in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Amen. So another way that you can think about the work that God does in the world is that God is healing the world. You know that? Amen. That's what new creation is about. That's, that's another way of thinking about it. God, you th we think about healing. We think about your physical body, right? But God heals the whole being. He heals us in here, right? By his wounds, we have been healed. And that happens because he took all of our sins to the cross and bore them in his body. That's the great sacrifice. That is, that is the things that, that allows our sins to be taken care of. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 2. Here, here's another uh, verse about our sins on the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And it was hearkening back to the circumcision of the old covenant. Now, how many know that before Jesus, you were dead right here? And there's no way to be made alive without him, right? You were dead in your trespasses, but God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So, so in taking our sins and, and, and bearing them in his body on the cross, he, in essence, nailed those things to the cross. And the record of debt that stood against us has been taken care of. So... so uh, Paul being uh, the kind of a legal mind that he is, he's thinking about the legal demands. So if someone takes you to court and they have a case against you, you know what I mean? They legally have a right to see you prosecuted or, or in some manner justice brought, right? Now, if you go back to 13 real quick, Elijah, if you would. Us being dead in our trespasses, why are we dead in our trespasses? Because we have sinned, correct? So in, in a courtroom setting, does God have a legal case against us? Yes. But verse 14, if you go back, but what Jesus did is he took this, our sins, nailed them to the cross, and, and in that... Canceling the record of debt that stood against us. Amen. Amen. So in the courtroom setting, Jesus declares us cleared. And we don't have to pay the penalty of it if we stand in his forgiveness. That's good news right there. He, he has all the right in being a just God to hold us accountable for our sins. Now, does that mean there will not be judgment? No, there will be, because there will be an accounting. But he's given us a way past being children of wrath, right? So legally, our sins are taken care of at the cross. 
Look at another thing, John chapter 12 and verse number 31. Some other things that happen at the cross. So, so that deals with our sins. Jesus took our sins to the cross, and therefore in that we're legally cleared before God because of his forgiveness and sacrifice. John chapter 12 and, and verse number 31. Here's a couple other things. Now is the judgment, this is Jesus talking, now is the judgment of this world, that's one thing, and now the ruler of this world be cast out, that's another thing, in verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself, that's number three. So another thing that happens to the cross, you think about it this way, the cross is where all that is wrong with the world is dragged into the light of God's alternative that is offered. So not only are sins taken to the cross, but the world is judged. God drags the entire thing to the cross, and in the light of the cross, it is brought to light. So go back to verse 31, please. So in that the judgment of the world happens, in other words, the world is simply lost in its sin, it's judged at the cross. Another thing that happens is then the ruler of this world, who is who? Satan. Satan. The ruler of this world is then cast out. Now, he still does his work today, right? But his authority has been stripped. He's still at work in his day, but those who believe and stand in the forgiveness of God, the authority of the enemy has been stripped. The judgment of the world happened, and the ruler of the world is essentially cast out. And then the next one, verse 32. And when Jesus is lifted up the cross, remember, they, they would nail him to the cross on the ground. And when he's lifted up, what they would consider a shameful public execution. In that act, what it was totally, again, paradoxically switched around, all people were drawn to him because of the forgiveness that is offered. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. That's how it works. This is the work of God. The light of the world, by the way. This is the only way. There is no other way. So Jesus takes our, our sins to the cross in, in forgiveness. There is no other way your sins can be forgiven. He is the only way. This is the only way that the enemy is driven out. There is no other way that his authority is stripped. There is no other way to find your way back to God but through the cross of Christ. And there lies its power of salvation for those who believe. And we stand in this. Here's the one thing about modern-day church. Modern-day church has a tendency to teach about a lot of topics, topical teaching. And when we hit, we, we hit uh, a lot of very specific things, which is very, very good in, in, its, uh, in its purpose. But we can topical teach so much that we never teach this stuff. This, this, is, this is foundational doctrine of the Christian life. All that topical teaching means nothing if this is not the foundation. And if we don't take time to talk about Christ crucified, remember, we read last week, we preach Christ crucified because it's the foundation for all the things that, that we would say after that. As believers in Jesus, 
We stand in forgiveness because we believe, active faith, trust. And here's the thing. I don't know about you. Maybe you have, but me, I, Jesus never physically showed up and talked to me. He, he never walked in my room in a physical body and talked to me. Maybe, I know people have experiences, but not me. Okay. He's welcome to. Anytime he wants to. Now, not, not to take me, but he can come talk to me, you know. Hang on, I won't go there yet. But um, I've never had that experience, right? Um, I was not there when Jesus was crucified, obviously. I don't understand all of the dynamics of, of, of bearing our sins in his body on the cross. I, I don't understand all the dynamics. But yet I stand here in faith and believe. And ultimately that means that I trust it. I, listen, I am not in doubt that I am in forgiveness before him. I don't, I don't sit around wondering, well, I, I don't know, maybe? Is that really real? Um, or, or, or does it really cover this part of, of my life? Or, or I've, maybe, I know some people go through things like that, but I'm at the place in my life, I just trust it's true. I trust what the scripture said happened and the ramifications of it happening, right? We must trust that our sins are truly forgiven. We must trust that the legal debt has been cleared from us. We must trust, right, that he is truly alive. And we proclaim that Christ has died, but Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. We trust he's coming again. We trust that he is healing the world right now and he is healing us and that he will, he will heal all things. He's going to make all things new. We trust that. So we stand on these things and we, we believe and let it be like rock solid right here. You believe. And at times when your mind does what it does and then always come back to what's rock solid, you know? We believe these things and we stand firm. Amen? Because of this, I mean, it's, it's all things to us. It, 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 is, it is everything to us. Because, again, if this stuff isn't true, then our faith is in vain. Therefore, we believe. Amen? All right. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's close out today, and we'll, we'll partake of communion today. If you, don't, if you don't have one, if, if we missed you on the way in, wave your hand around and the ushers will help you out. Take a moment and kind of open this thing up. This, uh, this is something we say and it's so true. It's just a reminder here. Um, Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. He, he took that Last Supper, that Passover. And he reoriented it to himself. For all, for all the symbolism and things that the, the Jewish people at the time believed about the Passover and all that, he, he came and reoriented it to himself. And he said, do this in remembrance of me, again, because of all the things that we're commanded to keep doing, the two great sacraments, right, 
communion, Eucharist, and baptism. Those are the two things we're commanded to do. All, all the other stuff that we do, that's nice, but this is one of the things we're supposed to do. And, and, and again, it doesn't matter what denomination you walk in, where you walk into it, somewhere in the world, you, you get the gathering of believers, and they do this, we all recognize it. They, they could have different styles of music. It could be hymns or a different language, you know, and we'd be like, okay, this is cool, but when we get to this, we all recognize it, Right? One of the great sacraments. Do this and remember the system. We do this. We proclaim this until he comes again. Because, again, the reason we're supposed to do this is because of the fact that this is where it all comes from. This is where we stand. This, as, as much as a church, any church takes communion. Some, some churches do it every Sunday. Some it's like a quarterly thing. But whenever it happens in a church... It is a reminder of the foundational thing that we believe from where all things come from. It's right here. And it doesn't matter how much you take it, never let this be a trivial moment to you. I was just doing it where at church. Something about this. It's a reminder, but there's something going on here, I think, when we do this together. We proclaim the death of Jesus, his sacrificial death. We proclaim it until he comes again. And by saying we proclaim it until he comes again, we're, we're affirming the resurrection because he's alive and he's coming again. Amen. Amen. I, I, think it's, it, I think there's something about the fact that Jesus didn't say, hey, every once in a while, just remember it. But he put something physical in our hands because it literally happened. This is not a, this is not a Bible story. We're not saved by uh, uh, we're not saved by a, a philosophical idea. We're not saved by anything but the literal bodily death and then resurrection of Jesus. So, so when he he has us do this, we literally have physical elements to partake of. It's a further reminder that this really happened. It was real. Jesus had an earthly body just like you do. He, he suffered the same temptations that, that we go through. When we read Psalm 22 today and in the description of, of, of what Jesus went through up and, and then on the cross, that happened. He literally suffered that way. Physical body, real blood for our forgiveness. And in this we stand. So Lord, we... we we see this sim symbolism of, of your body, broken body. If, if you would stand this, this morning with me, if you would. Lord, you came to this earth. Took on a physical human body to be our sacrifice. That your body literally suffered, was beaten, was whipped, a crown of thorns. You were physically nailed by, by your hands and your feet to, to a wooden cross. Then hung up for all to see who were there. Your physical human body died.
in order that we would have life. So sometimes I get a loss for words of, of things to say in response to that, because I'm not sure I, I can really say what needs to be said. But sometimes the best I can do is just say thank you. Thank you for willingly coming to this earth out of love to be crucified for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And we partake together out of the thankfulness of our heart. And with a broken body came shed blood. This fulfillment of, of covenantal sacrifice. Blood being symbolic of life. And the shedding of blood is, is the covering of our sins. And we stand in that forgiveness today. What your blood affords us. You took our sins to the cross, but your blood is the forgiveness of our sins. And today we partake of the cup in remembrance of your shed blood. So, so as, as we often do, if you would, just for a minute, just, just reflect for a moment. And just thank him for what his death on the cross means to you. Whatever it means, just, just thank him and, and maybe for a moment just worship him before we go home today. So we just thank you today, Jesus, for what you've done. For all the things that we talked about out of your scriptures today and, and, and the partaking of communion, Lord, we, we are so thankful for our, our forgiveness and our salvation and all the things that that means. We're so thankful today and we worship you. And we praise you today. But it's for your glory that these things happen. It is for you that, that these things happen. And we gladly give you that glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, we all, all stay together. Amen. 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 So high five somebody, elbow bump them, do something, you know, let them know. It's good to see you today. Amen. How many of y'all are thankful for the Christ?